this is Your Bird Story, a broadcast of bird stories told by everyday people about their interactions and relationships with wild birds in cities. I'm your host, Georgia Silvera Simeons. everyone welcome back to your bird story i'm here with devin aptakar and we were introduced to each other through a mutual friend i was looking to offer bird studies workshops in local schools and you said come on over you're a middle school teacher at a manhattan school and you were interested can you tell the listeners more about yourself my name is Devin. I grew up here in New York in deep Brooklyn by the beach. My parents met at high school in Coney Island. So I had most of both sides of my family down in that Coney Island, Brighton Beach, Sheepshead Bay area. So I was on the beach a lot as a kid in all seasons. And I went to New York City public schools. And both my parents were public school teachers. And I tried to avoid working in a public school for a lot of my life and then ended up there anyway. I'm a writer when I'm outside of the classroom and I had been doing this and that. And I heard about this great new school on the Lower East Side back when it was new. And I heard they might be looking for a part-time tech teacher. And at the time I had been doing part-time coding so that I could write. And I went in and they weren't looking for a part-time teacher, but the then principal spent the rest of that summer talking me into taking a full-time position at the school as the parent coordinator, which was the position that had just started in New York City. And eventually I caved and he talked me into it. And I've been there ever since. It's been like 20 years. It is a really sweet place, which is really incongruous to describe a middle school that way, I feel like. And that's part of what's kept me there for this long. And I moved into the science classroom nine years ago. I was administrating. I was the dean after parent coordinator. And then eventually I got my teaching certification in earth science. I had a minor in geology in my undergrad and I parlayed that into an earth science ed master's and started teaching science. That's been really, really nice, really, really tiring and really, really nice both. I guess it's always good to have science in your back pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll not be an English teacher. <laughs> I had a major in those kinds of things. Well, what were you writing while you were coding? I write weird novels. And for hire, I did some, you know, some superhero stuff and some movie tie-ins for our kids' things. But for myself, it's always been I write kind of weird cross-genre novels. And right now I have a literary agent, finally, very excitingly, and there's an editor who I'm really psyched about who has my book right now. I mean, this is after many, many, many rejections, so may or may not come to anything, but I'm just excited that this editor has my book right now. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Woo! Can't wait for the book party. <laughs> So you've sort of told 
us the why science, why middle school. Can you talk about in your science curriculum, what are your favorite lessons to teach? My favorite lessons to teach, I love to get the kids outside. I mean, that's part of the earth science and geology aspect. My whole goal is to have the kids, A, feel like scientists. You know, we have a whole thing up, you know, we are all scientists in the classroom. And that's like, I want them doing work and seeing themselves leaving middle school, having a, a good experience in science and seeing themselves as practicing scientists. So, and then whenever I can get them out into the field, I mean, we have field notebooks, you know, we go out and practice our observations and inferencing skills. And that's my favorite is to show also that it's beyond a classroom, you know, that, you know, science is everything and everywhere around us. And it's just infused with just our trying to understand the world. When the students are out, how is the experience for them making observations outside? It's funny. I started just doing it in eighth grade. And then, you know, our whole science department works very closely together. And really, the sort of goals that I talked about are goals of our entire department. The whole school for the last month and a half of the year does controlled experiments for us, you know, science fair type thing in every grade. You know, the other grades got on board also. And so then they started practicing going out a little in sixth grade, but mostly just practicing in the classroom and then seventh grade a little more. And then eighth grade, you know, they're the big eighth graders. And so they do it more. But I think they're still surprised a lot that this is something that counts as work. Mm. To being able to do that. You know, I try to go once a week, sometimes it's every other week, they ask, you know, when are we getting to do field notebooks? Are we going out in the field? You know, when are we going out next? So it's something that they are definitely into. What are the things that they're most attracted to? Is it simply being outside? Is it perceiving themselves as scientists because they're actually doing science stuff? Yeah, I think I'd say it's both of those. Definitely. You know, last year I hooked up our grade with the virus hunters, which was an offshoot of the biobus, and they are testing for avian flu. Mm. Um, and so we went out and collected bird poop samples, um, and which was wild. You started out each period like horrified, and then got really, really into it over the course of the period, and were competing how many they could get, and you know. We got a hawk sample live onto one of our students' arm and like five different kids ran over to like try and get it into <laughs> a little uh, collection device and like, <laughs> pretty amazing. I imagine yeah. there were some scatological jokes. <laughs> yes, yes, there were. Right. <laughs> Early adolescence. I mean, and then when you came in this year, that created a huge impact also. I've been curious, like, what made you say yes to the birds? First off, you know, anytime we can get a scientist to come in, especially with connections to New York, and especially not a white man who our students can see themselves in to come in and do work with the students, I always jump at that opportunity. There are a lot of birds in Thompson Square Park, which we are right near. And so sometimes kids are doing bird observations when we go out. Though I'm not super skilled in that, so I can't really guide them very well. But, you know, I have some rudimentary 
bird knowledge and then you know you know the hawk and <laughs> much of the sparrows and the you know and anyway so kids are are seeing those and so the idea that you were going to come in and do a bird anatomy demo with the kids mm -hmm. and cut open <laughs> a bird in the classroom for you know later taxidermy purposes was just you know too amazing of an opportunity to let go kids are still talk about it how was it for you and your colleagues to watch the students engage with the skinning and some of the prep work? It was varied. Some kids, fewer than I expected, but some kids had really intense reactions, which, you know, we sent home passive consent form. Thing, like, Sign this if you do not want your child to see this. But, you know, we talked about it with the kids leading up. I poked my head in one of the seventh grade rooms when you were in there and there was a kid who started crying and mm. in the hall and I went to talk to him and I was like, it's okay. I know it can be like, you know, upsetting and bring up, you know, stuff. And he was like, no, no, I'm just angry. And I was mm. like, oh, okay. Why are you angry? And he said, because I told my mom this would upset me and she told me it wouldn't. It's like, I'm angry at my mom. <laughs> they always bring it back to the parents. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then, you know, there were the some kids, even again, fewer than I feared, but some kids who were like, just dealt with it by like joking, making jokes and about eating the, you know, and then we talked about your vegetarianism and then the vegetarians in the room were all perked up and, you know. It's always interesting to see the range of emotions and responses to the work. I think in general, just thinking about adults versus young people, the adults more than not tend to have very strong negative reactions, mostly sort of reactions of like disgust, whereas the majority of young people, children tend to be really curious and they want to touch and smell and poke and absolutely you know, really investigate that sort of experiential curiosity. I think, I don't know where it disappears, but it's not as concentrated in adults as when you were younger, so. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love middle school age is that they're still so open and they haven't kind of closed down into a persona, but at the same time, they're able to really think deeply about things and grapple. I mean, and they're a mess, you know, but like, <laughs> it's all part of the same thing. It's a special time of life. I appreciated their enthusiasm and even, you know, being able to accept the responses of students who were upset for various reasons. It's helpful to become familiar with more of the different types of responses, because then that's just a way to prepare me for the next group of people of any age who participate in this. You know, I've had young people who get upset because the birds have died because of human design. So the way we design our cities, so that's upsetting. And there are many other reasons why people express negative emotions around this. But yeah, it was 
absolutely one of the sort of best experiences I've had with students and each classroom. So there were 12. I mean, unique, just yeah. across the board. <laughs> absolutely. It's so interesting. It's so funny how it always happens. Just each class has its own dynamic and its own vibe. And then the different grades, you know, we have there's 12 because there's four in each grade. And so seeing, I'm so glad you got to be in the whole school to really see it, see it all. So my final question is one for you specifically, how did last fall's experience change your relationship to birds? Mm. I had never held a bird before, um, before last fall. It's such an interesting experience. Birds are part of our life. They are all around us. They're simultaneously so ephemeral, so light, but their presence is so weighty, like especially, you know, pigeons. And and I mean, there's just so much of them. I don't know. There was something about being able to hold the, the birds that you were going to work on. I mean, obviously the stuffed ones that you had brought as samples were different because they had stuffing inside. But the birds that you were going to work on to hold one of them in my hand was a meaningful experience. Do you imagine that you'll pay more attention to birds this spring, for example, because migration is starting? I think so. So my new manuscript of a new book that I'm writing takes place in an alternate New York. This is not the, uh, the one that is with an editor. I just finished a first draft of this. Is an alternate New York where there's bird divination augury is part of the bureaucratic <laughs> system of the city. And before you can get anything to happen, you need a stamp from the mayor's office of augury. So you got these city augurs going around and it takes place at a continuing ed school of augury on the Lower East Side. I have a narrator who isn't that into birds, but is into the, the reading of the birds. So I've been trying to pay more attention or I've just been noticing them more as I've been writing this manuscript in general. I still feel like a very much of an amateur. You know, I was hoping to get you back to lead us out into guided fieldwork of, of migration to, so that I could actually learn something, <laughs> ulterior motives. Yeah, it might happen even if it's not with me. Okay, last one. Do you have a favorite bird? I've never seen a raven, but I would really love to. I didn't even mention, I go to Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia every summer. And there, I mean, we see bald eagles a lot and herons. But there was one year when this family of cedar waxwings was nesting in a tree near our like little cabin. And I just, I really loved them. They're just so cool. They're a little like punk mohawk and they're sleek, you know, it's just so nice. Yeah. So they stick in my mind too. Yeah. They have a whole vibe going yeah they really do <laughs> their plumage i mean perhaps they're not thinking that they're so cool but to <laughs> us they're just like the epitome of cool well Devin, thank you so much for sharing about your writing work this is really excellent and i hope the one with the editor and the manuscript make it all the way and that we all get to read it Thanks, Georgia. And thank you so much for coming to our school and, you know, working with our kids. Really, I can't thank you enough. My pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Your Bird Story. Like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you back here next month.